You are on Max's Island, a podcast by Meet Max Power. On Max's Island podcast, you'll hear the lived experiences of people who choose to live life a little differently. It might be a story of when they took time out and dared to do something crazy. Perhaps they made a decision to leave it all behind and follow their dreams. Or maybe they just stopped listening to what other people thought and did what was right for them. This experience becomes a story that is part of them and one that you need to hear. So, now that you're on Max's Island, listen to the wisdom in these stories and you too will be inspired to do what you have always wanted to do. Well, today on Max's Island, I have Amy Bandy. Welcome to the island, Amy. Thank you very much for having me. Amy, when we have a guest on the island, we like them to tell a story about that time in their life where they did something a little different, something against the grain, perhaps something against the norm that we're used to in society. And sometimes that comes out from a particular situation. So, Amy, do you have a story for us today where you might have changed your thinking or something happened to you in your life? Yeah, I, uh, I definitely do. I think um, I'd probably have to start when we were first faced with fertility challenge, uh, my husband and I, and after seeing a lot of GPs and being told to you know, go away and don't worry about it and it'll happen and all the rest of it. And then we we finally landed on the doorstep of um, IVF and IVF clinics. Um, and after a very unsuccessful treatment cycle at our first clinic, I sort of started to look for, I guess, some better answers and sort of understanding more about why we were having these issues instead of just trying to, I guess, bypass Mother Nature with all of the wonders of drugs and hormones and processes that they have, sort of understand more about the body and, and what could potentially be going on with, with each of us. Um, and so started to visit naturopaths, Chinese herbalists, kinesiologists, acupuncturists, osteo, um, osteopaths, Pretty much anyone in the alternative medicine field, um, we went and saw, uh, mainly me, I'll be honest, Dave, not so keen um, with a lot of it. And I fell in love with this amazingly holistic way of looking at the human body and started to really question a lot that we were putting into our bodies and putting onto our bodies and, and what we were actually surrounding ourselves with. So, Amy, what did the traditional doctors and those in the IVF program that was supporting you, what did they think about this approach? Yeah, one of the specialists literally when I said that I was seeing a naturopath said, oh, don't waste your money. That was just, it was that blunt. Um, and, that was probably, and, and that was probably after you'd spent a lot of money with him. 
Oh, that's, we, well, I mean, this man charges $370 for 15 minutes of his time, but he's telling us not to waste our money on a naturopath who put her heart and soul into, you know, working with us and, and helping us. And funnily enough, that naturopath actually is the one that identified one of the main issues that we ended up being able to not completely overcome, but drastically reduce that eventually saw us see success. Still through IVF. But I don't think if, if we hadn't seen Tracy, I honestly believe that we probably wouldn't have Eleanor, our daughter, today. You said you looked at a whole range of holistic medicines and alternate medicines and that you just said you had some great success with a particular naturopath. What other things were influential in you perhaps changing the way you lived or ate or, or just acted? I um, actually had this amazing uh, experience with kinesiology, which um, I'm not sure if you're completely familiar with, but it works on the principle that our physical bodies hold on to um, emotional trauma and, you know, past experiences and actually hold on to those in our bodies and that that energy actually needs to be shifted and moved in order for us to be able to heal. And I will be honest, when I first walked in, I thought, gosh this is this is out there even for me like this is a little bit far and within five minutes of sitting in front of this woman I just burst into tears felt this incredible outpouring laid on the table and had the most amazing out-of-body experience that I still to this day can't even explain and when I left that clinic I just felt completely sort of realigned with um, where I who I was meant to be and that journey has taken me down the rabbit hole of starting to really embrace sort of me and who I am as an authentic person and that has since then snowballed into me reading every book I could get my hands on about energy and healing and also obviously looking very hard at the things that we eat and have in our home which is something that I'm now very passionate about and actually help people to try and change for themselves. That's really an interesting revelation. I talk to a lot of businessmen and businesswomen and they, they have this, the moment that perhaps changed their business careers was when they became in tune with their mind and body in one and, and their business model as well. So it's interesting that we can do it as humans, not only in a external business sense, but internally when we're trying to reproduce that the importance of, of the, the mind as well as the body being in sync. And I think that that's something that we're not, we're not taught this. This is not something that we as children are sort of, um, you know, spoken to about, that we've got almost like a spiritual self and then a physical self and that, you know, it's okay to have things that upset you and it's okay to have traumas, but you really need to address those and really face them front on and not sort of try and hide them away because I think that that so often is when you can sometimes run into trouble a little bit is when we sort of try and run away from our past or hide from the person that we truly are. And I think I've always been a very different person, but I sort of over the years maybe wasn't quite waving my freak flag and was sort of trying to be a little bit more status quo, you know, normal. 
Um, and then after this kinesiology appo- um, appointment that I had, she was like, you know, you're a very different person, Amy, and you just really need to open yourself up to all of the possibilities that the universe and everybody are providing to you. And she said, you're also very sensitive and you need to be far more aware of the things that you surround yourself with. And that includes energy and people as well as chemicals. And and it just, it was like a switch went off. And I just thought, my gosh, like all this time, and I have been running away from the person that I truly am. And all I need to do is turn around and face that person. And it just made this, it made such an incredible alignment for me and for my life. So I'm eternally grateful to her. And then came home and said to Dave, right, I'm just going to need to clean out the entire house. I'm just throwing out every chemical. I need a lot of essential oils and away we go. And he sort of just looked at me and thought, oh, dear God, you know, what What have you just done? But I think now he's actually as into it as I am. Like he, as much as he would hate to probably admit it, he is, um, he can see the difference in me and that every sort of year that we're together, I am able to grow into more of the person that I truly believe that I'm meant to be. And he has been a very, very big supporter of that. So together we we have definitely grown um, as a couple over the, the 15 years that we've been together now. I find that your comment that it's something that we're not taught and we aren't taught a lot of those things as, as children. And many of us take our entire life and use our life experiences to understand this concept of who we are and the the need to be authentic and vulnerable you know and you know some of that's a little cliched but a lot of it isn't if it, because it's about lived experience and it said often it takes us our entire lives to to find it and simply because we're not taught it we don't talk about it in schools we don't talk about those sorts of things you know in the household well traditionally we haven't I think things are changing now. And uh, I think it's a, a really important concept to, to grasp that uh, our mind really does play an incredible part to our physical being and has a, has a massive impact. Absolutely. I, I always find it fascinating when you go into um, like aged care homes uh, and the people that are lucky enough to still have their sort of mental acuity, you know, with them, they're so interesting to talk to, far more interesting than so many people I feel like my age because they are done with the pretenses and the social cues and and for most of them even just, you know, the normal polite things that you say and they're just completely brutal, completely raw, but you're able to have a real conversation with them and you, you really feel like you understand who they are as a person and that's sort of, I guess, what I'm trying to bring to my everyday, not be rude to people, but just always show up in a really authentic way and teach Eleanor from a very young age, she's only four, that she is absolutely allowed to be 100% herself and that, you know, she has to go to school and there are certain things that we still need to do, but she's allowed to be entirely herself while she's doing those things. And that's uh, something that I really try not to you know, I guess if I used to do silly dances and silly songs and, you know, my parents and probably rightly so um, when in company would sometimes be like, you know, Amy, that's enough, you know, like that's that's enough. Um, you know, you, you're, you know, making us look a little bit crazy. Um, but I now, if when Eleanor does things like that, I try and think, no, you know, 
let her do her little crazy dance and let her truly express herself. And that is something that I'm now conscious of because it's taken me, you know, sort of 35 years to figure it out. So I'm hoping that I can maybe cut her a little shortcut somewhere. (laughs) So you just mentioned, Eleanor, when you did finally fall pregnant, how did the process go? And, And again, what influence did natural medicines and alternate medicines play in the pregnancy and then post-birth? So during pregnancy, I was very obviously closely managed by the IVF clinic. And one thing that they do ask is that you stop anything outside of their treatment. So I'll be perfectly honest. And I did not have any alternate therapies um, while I was pregnant. I followed the advice to the letter because obviously after I think it uh, took us five years to fall pregnant with Eleanor. So after five years of heartache to finally have, you know, to, to be, have a healthy baby um, growing inside me, we did everything that they told us to do. I now probably understand that, you know, there are certain things I probably could have continued to do, like acupuncture, and but I continue to eat very, very well. I continue to see my naturopath and she helped me with my diet I grew an absolute boomer of a baby. Eleanor was 4.3 kilos at 38 38, 38 and a half weeks, Tony. They had to go in and get her. And they said they'd never seen a placenta like it. They were like, oh, my Lord. And so I definitely attribute that to having had a very, very strong diet. I didn't have gestational diabetes. They have no idea where she came from. But I did get this extreme bloating after um, the, I had fluid in my legs, just my legs, extreme fluid in my legs. And the medical doctors in the hospital and everyone just couldn't do anything for me. They had no idea what to do. And I, for the first three weeks after having Eleanor, I was in quite a lot of discomfort. I then went and saw my Chinese herbalist who gave me one bottle of pills was very, very stern with me. I had a strict diet that he put me on. It was not particularly enjoyable. Some of the things he tells me to eat, I'm like, where am I going to get an eel? We don't just have eels in our supermarkets. Like this is (laughs) like, and then wrap it in a pandan leaf. I'm like, where am I getting these things? But he gave me a very strict diet that I followed. And within two days, the fluid was all but gone, just drained out of my body. And I thought, you know, say what you like, but these people just understand the human body. And this man is, you know, he's not even taking my blood or doing any of the things that the hospital did. He literally was feeling the the acupressure points on my wrist, looked at my tongue, looked at my eyes and just spoke to me and came up with a solution, gave me the herbs and away you go. So And the power of that medicine has stayed with me and I will always return to them whenever there is something major um, sort of confronting me. I will always return because I know um, I've experienced the power of that medicine and, and of having someone who looks at you as a whole and doesn't just want to sort of put a Band-Aid over the symptoms. It's like, no, there is a cause and I'm going to treat the cause so that I can get rid of this symptom permanently for you. And that's sort of why I've fallen in love with sort of what I like to call complementary therapies because I am not the sort of person that says that you shouldn't do Western medicine. Western medicine is amazing. It saves lives. It got us Eleanor. I will always be very cognizant of that. 
But at the same time, I very much believe that it was in using these complementary therapies to support my body during the IVF process that we were able to have success. And that's what I communicate to people. Interested to know whether you adopt a similar approach to Eleanor in her growing years so far. Yeah, we do. Eleanor has, when she was first born, had a speech delay, a pretty significant speech delay. And we were very, very concerned and were being pushed sort of down a, um, uh, the path of, you know, you need a diagnosis, you need this, you need that. And after seeing a couple of paediatricians who weren't really able to give me too much of an answer, I actually just sort of had this sort of light bulb moment speaking to my parents who are wonderful parents and who just said, you know, Ames, this is just Eleanor and you just need to let her, you need to let her lead her journey the way that you have been doing the same. And I sort of thought, you know what, you're absolutely right. I stepped back. I declined a lot of the assistance that was being offered and a lot of the different therapies that was being offered. And we still continued to do speech pathology, but it was something that we did a lot of at home ourselves as well. And I put a lot of time into sort of under watching and understanding Eleanor in a holistic sense and watching the way that she looked at things and the way that she interpreted things. And I sort of started to get more of a feel of the way that her little brain worked and from that really intensive time that we spent of me just watching her and understanding and communicating to her, eventually um, she turned two and um, two in a few months and it was like a tap turned on and she just started talking. Just out it came and complete sentences and it was sort of this realisation that, you know, and, and relief that that my gut instinct had been right and that Eleanor just needs a little bit longer to process things. She's a very, very sensitive and highly emotional child and picks up on emotion from complete strangers. She's, she's a real little empath. And I think that that sometimes can actually block her practical processing of information. So now that I realise that, we put a lot of time and effort into setting up um, sort of proactive strategies around big stresses and events like starting kindy and moving house and things like that so that we can support her during that time. And that's sort of very different, I guess, from the old, you know, she'll be right kind of mentality of, of decades gone by. And Eleanor um, sees has seen a few naturopaths in her time as well and eats a very um, a reasonably strict whole foods diet. I'm not one of those complete no sugar mums, but I keep a pretty close eye on things like additives. I'm not so concerned with raw and organic sugar um, every now and again, but the additives she seems particularly sensitive to. So they're something that I do um, sort of keep a bit of an eye on as well. So, oh, and, and obviously essential oils, that kid gets oiled up all the time. Um, so she, <laughs> sort of every day um, before she goes to school and, you know, there's an immune roller and they, at, at her school, we're very lucky, they use like an essential oil-based mosquito repellent. Um, so they're sort of like-minded, so that's great. And, yeah, we, we do, there are certain things that we are quite firm on. And another big one is connection with nature, which is a very fast way to calm Eleanor down as well um, is get her out, shoes off in the grass. Um, and she's also completely 
enamored with horses at the moment. So we've just started some horse riding lessons as well, which have really, um, I'm hoping, bring her out of her shell a little bit around um, people that she doesn't know. You mentioned that you observed her when she was young and that your parents had said she will evolve the way she wants to. And I think that's something that a lot of new parents probably feel uneasy and nearly impatient about because they're talking to paediatricians and experts who start to talk and read a lot of things about what should be happening. And, you know, with so many kids, they're individual, they have an individual timeline of development. And as a parent, you're obviously with her and, you know, in her very younger years, nearly 24-7. So who better to observe and be patient with that observation and find those trigger moments where things that you're doing are actually having impact. So I, I, I think that was a, just a great story of what a new parent needs to be relaxed at doing, just taking a moment to observe and not creating an expectation of something happening too quickly. The other thing that uh, I really love is, and it's something that you know I uh, have experienced through studies around meditation and, and alternate thinking, is the connection with nature. And I think we underestimate the grounding value of the earth and, and just the feeling that it gives us and the direct connection we have as, as humans with the living being of the earth because it is a living, breathing um, entity and we can react with it and interact with it. Absolutely. And that's something that we've seen um, moving to this house where we've got a bit more space and we've actually got a garden that she can run in barefoot on grass. And she came on in leaps and bounds when we moved down here as well. So the initial sort of language explosion happened at about two, two and a half. But then we moved down here on her third birthday and she had, it was just like night and day. Um, suddenly and I really realized that this the connection to nature and the having of space and expressing herself physically was something that uh, she absolutely needed and it was a, it helped her develop in such a strong way and so I now make sure that you know at least at one point in the day we get out into the garden and she's able to do something out there but what you said about the uh, the new parents as well I have had so many conversations with parents about this and and also the baby boomer generation who did not have access and the overflow of information that we as parents now have there are checklists for everything you are assessed constantly it's a lot our children these days grow up very very quickly I mean Eleanor is she's still three and she's learning to write her name at kindy and that's something that I don't remember doing until sort of grade one at six but she's three and she's learning to write her name Um, and it's just sort of like everything's been moved earlier the expectations are higher we assess them even more and it's really rough on particularly new parents, I think, like with your first. I have some beautiful friends who have got, you know, two or three kids and they just laugh and they're like, oh, gosh, by the third one, it's like child health nurse. No, thank you, because yeah. they know what they're in for. They know what happens when you go there. But when it's your first and you're a new parent, anything that those those people say is, is gospel. 
and you go home and you panic and you know that's why I even started on that whole treadmill I had parents say she'll talk she'll talk it's fine as long as she's talking before kindy she's fine and I was like you've got to be kidding she's meant to have 20 to 50 words by the time she's (laughs) two you know and I had this number in my head uh, but and they knew and they said don't stress so it was um, I've always been a a chatter and a a reader and a collector of knowledge. I love um, my year five teacher said to my mum, she has this insatiable thirst for knowledge that I can't keep up with. So just give her books because she just asks too many questions. And I've, I think I've always continued to be the same. I'm a real seeker. And and so when I'm, whenever I come up against a problem, that's the one of the main things that I love to do is to speak to the people around me and the people from both sides of an opinion I asked OTs and speech pathologists, but then I also asked, you know, my friends that are complete hippies and just have no interest in any structured schooling or, you know, they have a completely alternate way of living. And I'm sort of somewhere in the middle, a little bit left of centre, I think. But it was so useful to me to get all of these opinions and these walks of life and this wealth of knowledge and then use it to come up with my own solution to the problem and and trust my gut as well because I'd had experience in that with my with my alternate therapies and it it definitely paid dividend for for Eleanor and I um, and so that's sort of I guess a teaching that I'm definitely going to try and instill in her is to listen to everybody's opinion and don't go in with an opinion be very open minded but collect and collate as much information and life stories as you can and then see what you come out with at the end once you've figured it all out in your own head. Amy, your story about your discovery of alternate medicine, having the difficulties around getting pregnant and then having Eleanor and the development of her as an individual is so common in the sense of that's life and the ability I guess, of you to have quickly and and by necessity needed to understand and process some of this connection between spiritual and physical has really, I guess, got you in a position where you are able to enlighten your daughter with an approach to living that is thoughtful, exploratory, and one that's perhaps not bounded by some of our traditional thinking. So I think in your journey and your, and your hardship, you've actually landed at a really, really neat place and perhaps are going to, and I'm sure, are going to set up an environment for your daughter to really flourish. And you've done that through your own lived experience. As you said, it's, you know, a lot of this stuff, whilst you've researched it, you've put it together yourself. And that's um, a, a great credit. And it's a, it's a really interesting thing that people can do that and perhaps should back their own judgment and do a little bit of research and come up with their own decisions when creating life for themselves and their family. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, Tony. It's, um, it's been a great journey, but it's one that I'm really excited to continue on with Eleanor um, and help her grow, as you said, in her own way. Um, and I'm learning alongside her. So I think that's, that's important as well, that I as a parent don't think that I know everything because Eleanor is very different to me and we can continue to grow together. Well, Amy, thanks for joining us on the island. 
It's been a really interesting discussion and, and I just loved your revelations that you've gone through over the last few years and the, the experiences you've had and the, the really positive outcome that has, has come through some of those trying times. But I guess when you look back at uh, your daughter and you see her every day, you, you pro they probably pale to insignificance a little bit and you just wonder, continue to wonder of... Uh, the great opportunity and future that you have as a family. So thanks for joining us on the island and we look forward to um, perhaps speaking again when Eleanor's a, a teenager and causing you a whole lot of other issues. <laughs> yeah, oh, good Lord. All right. <laughs> I think she might too, very strong-willed. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It's, um, it's been great. We spoke on the bus on the way home from work he was lost in the details of life Each day was a blur Oh work and no play And how, how had it turned out this way He told me his plan A short-term escape Five weeks on the Bibbulmun track Go it alone, no one to blame If he finished fell by the way No one's an island but sometimes it's good to pretend Go for a hike Your burden's just on the black Walk on the beach Imagine you're sailing away Phone and nothing 